Hello, and welcome to Exploring Comics, a podcast about webcomics, indie comics, and the people who love them. I'm your host, Tim McLaughlin. This week, we're discussing the role comics can play in preserving oral history. But first, some news, mostly about things happening here, actually. This episode publishes on Friday, June 9th. Tomorrow, June 10th, I will be at Comic-Con in Foxwoods, down in Connecticut, covering the event on a press pass. I plan to have this done in two styles. First, I'll be covering the event itself, describing what I see, expressing concerns or things that worked well, just generally filling you in on what my experience is like there. This will only be the second non-religious convention I've ever attended, and I was working a booth at the first one, so feel free to let me know today or tomorrow if there are specific things you would like me to keep an eye out for that I may not know about. The second style of that visit is going to be getting sound bites from the creators in attendance with a focus, as always, on the small press creators. These will then be spliced into episodes for the next few weeks or possibly a couple months, so keep an ear out for a lot of great projects to check out. Hopefully I'll get a little something from everyone that's there, but I'm only attending one day and it may be quite large. So if you or someone you know will be there presenting work, keep an eye out for me. I'll post a picture of my attire and keep you guys updated on my day by way of the Exploring Comics Twitter. Akiva Cohen, a lawyer who has taken up the mantle of educating comic creators on relevant legal concepts on Twitter in the wake of the Tapas right of first refusal situation, has agreed to come on the show and do a Q&A. Now, a good Q&A requires questions. I will, of course, prepare some, but I would very much like it if you could present your own as well. A couple things you should know. If you give me a name or handle to credit for the question, I will do so. If there are a ton of questions, I may not get to all of them, but we'll try. And this is not to be taken as a replacement for hiring a lawyer. Mr. Cohen can offer general information about the law and how it usually applies, which is super helpful and can give you a solid leg up on knowing what options are available to you and how to access them. But submitting a question through me that does not make you his client. Any questions that require extensive knowledge of your specific case will either be generalized or not asked at all. Please have questions submitted by Friday, June 16th. A couple months ago, I contacted the Center for Cartoon Studies, asking if I could do an episode on the school, their degree program, that sort of thing. They put me in touch with a recent graduate named J.D. Lunt, telling me that he would know all about the school and that he's currently working on a project I may find interesting. As it turns out, I did, and when we were finally able to sit down at a McDonald's in Brattleboro, Vermont, we barely talked about the school at all. Sorry, CCS. Incidentally, the setting explains the background noise. I tried to edit as much of it out as I could. Anyway, the project he's working on is an anthology of comics made from interviews with female veterans. It's a sequel of sorts, a follow-up to a similar anthology that ended up being overwhelmingly male, both of which done as a cooperation between CCS and the White River Junction VA Medical Center. He's also appearing at the 2017 Graphic Medicine Conference in Seattle with a comic based on events in his own life. The conference runs from June 15th through 17th, and while tickets are sold out, there will be a lot of free programming available to the public at the Microsoft Auditorium of the Seattle Public Library during the event. The focus of the conference is on the way that comics and healthcare can aid each other. Also, while it didn't come up during our conversation, he later asked me to tell you about Jess Rolifson, who does veteran comics, which he recommends. Links to all these things, as well as things discussed in the interview, will be available on my website, temclaughlin.com. Enjoy!
Phil. Thank you for having me. So why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, tell people who you are, what you do, where they can find what you do. Okay, my name is J.D. Lunt, and I am a cartoonist and editor, and I do uh, nonfiction small press comics. Um, my biggest project so far has been a book called When I Returned, which was done with the Center for Cartoon Studies in the White River Junction VA, um, where we interviewed veterans and told their stories in comics. And I am now in the throes of working on a second volume that's going to focus on women's veterans. And uh, other than that, I do mental health autobio comics, other types of autobio comics. Someday I'm going to finish my uh, epic biography of Thomas Kincaid, Painter of Light. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so just all sorts of stuff. That's cool. Now, where's you have a website? Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I do have a website. It is uh, jdlunt.com, and probably by the time this episode drops, you'll be able... And J.D. Lunt is just spelled the letter J, letter D, L-U-N-T dot com. And uh, by the time this episode drops, I will be on Twitter and Instagram at... J D Lunt, J A Y D E E L U N T. I'm not on there now, but I have a firm thing of launching my uh, online profile this month because I've got a comic dropping about it next month, and so I need to have. <laughs> You're calling dropping about the social media? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of my mental health comics deal with. Uh, um, my experience working in the mental health field and eventually developing a case of PTSD related to that work wow. and kind of the final frontier of that struggle has been uh, not wanting to be found online by some of the people I used to work with so I completely withdrew from the online world but you can't make it in comics without an online presence so I kind of did a comic about the whole anxiety around that to force my hand and it's going to be uh, dropping for the graphic medicine conference in Seattle and it's going to be in print and online so if uh, it's out there then I kind of got to do the social media thing <laughs> make yourself available yep that's fair enough. Now, this new this new project, yeah, is I, is there a name for it? Because right I now, added. right now there is not a name for the project. Um, that's going to grow organically out of the making of the project. Right. Uh, it's frustrating, but right now it's just kind of the women's veterans project, right? And uh, title to be decided. No, I meant to attend the event at CCS. Yeah, my son was born. That Congratulations! Morning. So, like, Thanks. that's a really great excuse for yeah. missing that. Like there was there so. was other people who had far worse excuses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, what was? Because it, it looked like you know you were trying to get some of the comics people and some of the the vets together. Was, that event and the event before it that was at the VA were um, opportunities to just do some ice breaking, get cartoonists and veterans in the same room, talking to each other, get the cartoonists sketching. Um, that usually tends to relax cartoonists yeah. and people who are going to have comics make from uh, yeah. their experience when people go like, oh, these people really can draw. So, which is probably why I wasn't sketching much at those events. Right. <laughs> Doing stories like that, it sounds like it had to be pretty complicated because you have to go through the process of like getting their trust and then mapping it out and then 
figuring out how to do the story in a way that they won't be upset. Like, can you walk us through like how you go about? Yeah. Um, basically, we're we're not doing journalism, right? So we're not trying to make comics that uh, are like gotcha in any way. We're trying to do oral history where someone shares their experience we do our darndest to reflect what they've shared with us back to them so um, it, it's it's like a different model of non-fiction comics and the basic process is doing icebreakers like this uh, that we were just talking about where you just get people together and talking and hopefully the chemistry between a couple cartoonists and a veteran will just start to take place in that room and then from there um, people do an interview record the interview um, take notes we do both because um, in the last volume um, people's recordings got all screwed up along the way or something and so it was very helpful to have notes as well so we could still piece together um, stories and then uh, we work on the comic it's um, in the first book it was a completely student-run project. It was uh, we were working with an NEA grant, and uh, I don't know how much you know about uh, the Center for Cartoon Studies, and we could talk about that more. Yeah. But um, James Sturm, the director of the school, uh, tapped my friend and classmate, class of 2016, uh, Kelly Swan, and I to be the editors of the book, and uh, because we had done a couple student anthologies beforehand and shown a lot of interest in doing nonfiction comics and particularly working with veterans and so basically it was our job and then also we could bounce stuff off of James Sturm to help people shape their stories into comics um, in the first book when I returned there's one story in there where like the guy joined the military worked on satellites in Germany had a great time um, got a great job coming out of it and bought a house and like that's his journey and he was like I don't even know if I belong in this book because like other people are talking about their trauma and wartime stuff like that what am I doing in this it's not even a story but from where we were sitting if we took his story out of the project then it was a book about trauma but with his story in it it was a book about veterans so we needed that story um, and so you know it's just making sure the veterans feel like they're heard and represented and making sure that we're giving all the resources we can to cartoonists other than financial resources to uh, make sure that the uh, that the comics represent their work but also really represent the veteran the previous one when I got back is that available in stores like when I returned is uh, available in on uh, Gumroad for a suggested donation of uh, I think $2 but you can download it for free as a uh, PDF and then um, there are some copies available at CCS if you reach out to them um, otherwise we're kind of trying to figure that out right now um, the grant that created that project had a certain budget for a certain print run and I don't know exactly where we are in that but I know we're going to need more copies come the second book so yeah I would I would try for you listeners out there in podcast land I would check out uh, Gumroad when I returned alright 
Now, um, so this is an anthology then. Yeah. Is it mostly it is students an anthology. again? It was. Um, <clears throat> both projects are going to be student uh, students and alumni of the Center for Cartoon Studies. Um, that was kind of specified in the grant proposals. Right. So that's just like in the mix there, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all student or alumni work. Um, the quality of work coming out of the school is strong enough that I feel like there's not really that big a line between student and alumni work. Like there's some really amazing students coming out of there. This new one actually is going to have some faculty involvement. Um, Steve Bissett's going to be drawing a story. Uh, Luke Howard's going to be in it as well. So that's really. That was a real feather in my cap to have the people who were teaching me to make comics come in and go, I'm like, hey, can I be in this next book? Like, uh, yeah, that was weird. You had mentioned something earlier that I re- that I kind of really liked was when you talked about how the comics you're doing is an oral history. Yeah. Comics seem to have a unique position to be able to carry forth some of that oral history. Like, how do you think that impacts the way that the story is preserved and told? Comics are one of the most ex- accessible forms of communication around. And uh, I've had to do a lot of pitches getting grant and working with the people who gave us the grant for the new project. And my answer when people ask me, uh, why comics? Why not something else? My answer is always like a really simple demonstration, which is... uh, here, would you like to read my comic about my struggles with mental health? Here, would you like to read my poem about my struggles with mental health? Right. Which one is someone going to grab? Like, no one's reaching <laughs> for the poetry. So, comics have this incredible accessibility, and ironically, one of the big strengths of comics, because it's accessible, is it allows you to get into very specific details about people's experience and in so doing you use the accessibility of comics to take issues that may seem very simple and make them complex in a way that people are willing to go with and I think that's kind of where comics have a neat place in oral history or in anything is you're able to get into clear specifics and in doing that, you're able to um, kind of push against some of the quick assumptions we might make with other media bombardment that we have. Right. I like that because it's, you know, you don't have to go through pages of prose technical jargon to have people understand what's happening on yeah, the page. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, one of the first things, I mean... To my mind, coming from a writing background again, like what comics did for me was it expanded my vocabulary. I before I had like whatever combinations of twenty six letters plus uh, plus punctuation to communicate whatever I wanted to, and then you bring in pictures and that a lot like whatever you can draw or browbeat someone else into drawing um, allows you to really expand that vocabulary and communicate things through silence which is huge now your own comics how do you how do you go about balancing like that because you're telling your perspective but I mean there's other people in this story that you know you have to kind of tell little bits of their stories as well it sounds like 
how do you how do you find that balance on, on how how to approach that? If my wife is in a comic, I always make sure I draw her to be the prettiest girl in the comic. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think it's like with any creative endeavor, you have to stick as close to the facts as you can and also stick to your guns about your own thing and then be willing to let the chips fall where they may. One of my comics is about the um, type of therapy I used to address my PTSD. It's, It's called Watching the Stick and it's about a type of therapy called EMDR. And uh, I thought the easiest way to explain it was to actually make a comic about one of my therapy sessions. Right. So, over 24 pages, you read an entire therapy session, and then I step out of it to explain the science behind what's going on. But, uh, like, would my mom have liked the fact that... uh, I did a therapy comic that involves <laughs> her to a certain degree, probably not, but at the same time, you weigh that against like how else are you going to explain what this therapy's like when like even people who practice this therapy have a hard time explaining it to others. Um, incidentally, I ended up having to use that because uh, most of the trauma I experienced while working in the mental health field was protected by HIPAA law, so I can't talk about the traumatic experiences that I had working in mental health publicly, but my mom's fair game. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Well, the reason I was asking you about that is because a lot of people do, like, autobiographical or just biographical stories. And so it's it's a thing that comes up a lot, is, like, how much do I fictionalize these characters? But that that just finding a different perspective is probably a good... I, you know, I I mean, no one is going to 100% agree with how you represent anybody. So just know what you're trying to say and just weigh out that. I I know in my comics I always want to be as sympathetic as possible to other people who come up in them. Fortunately, I'm self-absorbed enough that a lot of my autobio comics involve me just going, walking around thinking and walking my dog. So... I don't, uh, my Basset Hound doesn't care what I do in my comics, but uh, in general, like, yeah, you just, in that way, I don't think it's really that different than fiction, though, is like, you have, like, no one's always, not everybody's going to love whatever type of story you're going to tell, or how you end up telling that story, and so there's a certain amount of like, yeah, but this is what I do, but, so, that makes sense. You said that this project, you, you were kind of assigned it. it. It wasn't something that you saw yourself. Uh, well, the original, uh, when I returned, um, we had similar events to the one, uh, to the event you almost came to, where we were getting cartoonists and veterans together. They were a much larger deal because uh, it was a new project, so people hadn't seen this before, and so it was really trying to create buy-in. We brought in bigger artists, stuff like that, and uh, Kelly and I um, just were the people who had shown our enthusiasm for the idea of doing this project probably just a little bit more than other students and we worked well together 
Uh, Kelly comes from a newspaper background, so she knows like the design and layout stuff better than anybody I've ever met. And uh, yeah, we just we really like working with each other. So that's kind of how that um, came together. Was we we were the ones who were interested. So yeah, James, who was kind of heading everything up, asked us to be the editors, but. it, it, it felt like a great fit from the beginning and we were probably a little more ambitious with the project than uh, than James originally had anticipated. I think the original goal was to do like a handful of four page stories, have a print run of uh, whoever veterans were involved and whoever cartoonists were involved in like, you know, like 30, 40 copy print run and just have it be this little thing and uh Kind of the ambition for it changed um, after Kelly and I did uh, our interview, and um, the story we worked on was about a veteran named Kevin, and his trauma didn't happen when he was in the military, but afterwards, um, where uh, he was raped coming home from a New Year's Eve party. And when he shared this story with us when we were doing the interview, he told me that I was the first man he'd ever told his story to. He told it to his therapist and stuff, but he'd never told it to another guy before. Well, if someone gives you something like that and says, like, you can make a comic out of this, you're kind of obligated to make the best comic you possibly can out of it and and, like, make the best possible book you can out of the whole thing because like you've you've been given something sacred in this guy's story and you, you got to use a, your entire skill set to share that responsibly right yeah that's amazing <laughs> Yeah, so, and I mean, the weird thing was, like, with the first volume, one reason why we have the second volume is that that women weren't in the first volume, and that just worked out because we were on a super tight time schedule, and some cartoonists who were going to be involved had to drop out for whatever reason, some veterans had to drop out for whatever reason, and it just turned out that way. But when the book dropped, and and people and women at the VA saw that they weren't in the story they were like hey what about us and uh, I kind of pushed us to make sure that our response wasn't like well this is just what we had like you know, I really wanted the response to be yeah what about you guys let's tell your story yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really important thing again going back to the oral history thing that I think one of the things that I think is a strength about the work we're doing is that because it's hyper-local, it's focused exclusively on the White River Junction VA. Right. Um, there's no real vetting process for whatever veterans get involved in this. It's, it's completely self-selected, where a lot of times when you're working on a larger platform, like a national platform or something, you do your sociological research, you find out what story you want to tell, and then you go find that person right. to tell that story. And there's a lot of, there's a strong argument to be made for going that way. Right. But there's also a strong argument to be made where none of us know the story we're going to hear right. when we sit down to talk to the veteran. 
and so we don't have a preconceived notion of what we should be hearing from people we're just here to listen yeah one of one of the things that connects with the VA in that matter is one of the um, a lot of women who qualify for a lot of benefits from the VA don't use them and they they don't even self-identify as veterans even if they've been career military because they feel so isolated from that yeah and you know most outreaches to them are trying to find new ways of telling this marginalized community hey this is what the VA has to offer what our project kind of stumbled on which I think is really interesting is going to a marginalized community and going hey you don't feel heard you don't feel seen can we draw pictures of you and tell your story like it instead of like trying to do a sales pitch Right. We're actually addressing the thing that's causing that marginalization. Right. That's a that that wasn't what we were thinking about when we started this. But my gosh, what a great opportunity that is! Yeah. That's huge. Do you do you know of any other comics that are doing stuff kind of like what you're doing that you'd recommend to people? As far as like what we're doing at the VA, I don't know a ton of stuff. I know uh, Ken Marino who was one of the veterans and when I returned does a diary comic whose name changes from time to time <laughs> and that's really interesting just to see like and it was great to be able to fold his work into what we were doing but see like a daily right. comic strip type idea of a uh, Vietnam vet dealing with PTSD and just kind of like the comedic day to day rhythm of that like this to my knowledge what we're doing is is fairly unique um but i hope there's more comics out there like that i know there's a great um comic out of pittsburgh it's not the same thing at all but um they do they talk to holocaust survivors who live in pittsburgh and tell their stories in comics and it like the shape of it and uh, certainly the style of it's a little different than what we're doing right. but they do they do really interesting work so yeah I'm, I mean it's it's a it's a I, I think the oral history thing is just going to become more part of comics right awesome well we're just about out of the time that I okay. for so uh, do you have any last thoughts or plugs or anything you want to do before we wrap, wrap up oh, last thoughts uh, plugs um you already heard all my stuff. Uh, I feel like if I plug too many other cartoonists, the people I forget are going to be really upset at me. But um, just go read comics. Listen to podcasts about comics and read comics. And don't read comics that uh, try to tie Batman into the Watchmen. Read comics that were like made by hand, man. Go do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so oh, much. Oh, sure. No, man. thanks. Thanks for your chat with me. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. 
There are a host of ways to interact with the podcast, including seeing upcoming guests, submitting questions for them or for upcoming Twitter chats, alerting me to news I should announce here, or finding the podcast on other sites. Just follow the Exploring Comics drop-down menu on temclaughlin.com. That's T-E-M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N to find pages for the podcast and the Twitter chat. On the podcast page, there is a affiliate section because we've become affiliates with Start Fair as well as Nerd Herder News Network. There's also a form where you can submit questions for any upcoming guests, including Akiva Cohen. This episode, as well as the previous five episodes at a time, are also available on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play, so check there to rate and subscribe. Each episode is also published on the Nerd Herder Network on Facebook at 8.30pm Eastern on Mondays. If you would like to hear the whole discussion between myself and the guests, check out some of the higher level awards, or help me pay to upgrade SoundCloud and keep episodes available longer, support Exploring Comics on Patreon. $1 an episode gets you our full conversation, edited for ease of listening, but not for time or content. Special thanks to J.D. Lunt for being here, the supporters on Patreon, and you for listening. I've been your host, Tim McLaughlin. Have a delightful weekend.